It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. try again welcome to the child care bar and grill podcast the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast with the words bar and grill in its title this is jeff johnson with you live from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the gulf of mexico with me back again r and r rachel and rebecca how you guys doing fantastic like that like that new intro through that other sentence in there um yeah I think this, it technically, I think this is the world's longest running early learning podcast. Um, you look, there might be some, some podcast in Bangladesh about early learning that's been running longer that I don't have any awareness of that. I mean, that's a possibility. And I think we're most sure. prolific because we're coming up on a thousand episodes. I haven't been able to find any other early learning podcasts that are, that are, that are approaching that number, yeah. but I, I, I wanted to hedge my bets. So I threw in the, uh, the bar and grill in the title part there because I don't want to, I don't want yeah, to you get, don't get sued. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, hey, listeners, if you have know of any longer running or more prolific or learning podcasts, hit me up at 228-363-6737 and let me know about it. Um, Rachel, baby chicks and ducks. Yeah, it's baby chicken duck season. So, so exciting. Tell, tell, tell us about them. How, how many, how many do you have? So listen, I said I wasn't gonna do any of this year. And um I've been really busy, so really busy equals really tired, you know, and I uh, let my dog out and fell asleep, and he jumped the fence and went through half my flock. Uh, yeah, he was in big trouble, so. Were they finger licking good? We did not eat them. I just was finding feathers and, like, down. He probably like pounced them, right? Like, like trampled them, you know. So he grabs them and shakes them, like that's mm-hmm. what he does. And they go into if if they do survive that, they go into shock. And yeah. But so, anyways, that day I'm like, uh, he said, "That's fine. We'll get we'll get some chicks, you know." And I really wanted ducks because I love duck eggs. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, went to the farm store. <laughs> my husband said I I said okay let's go ahead and get you know let's get a few and usually the limit's like four and uh, he goes okay well you can get however many you want which he has told me before and I guess he just hasn't learned his lesson Um, (laughs) I currently have 11 ducklings and um, 16 chicks that's not four (laughs) 
not how, how how many different different flavors of ducks and chicks are they all the same breed or did you mix it up no um so i have three leghorns seven uh buff orpingtons and six don't mean that ten six yeah so six americana chicken yeah, yeah she then, says that like like and, and rebecca's nodding her head like you you know what all those okay, are so well, i actually i actually have a friend who has her own chicken farm and she has ducks and chickens and so i don't know what they are but i've heard the names of them because she has all the different colored eggs with different names and this and that yeah i'm hoping my i got the americana because they lay like those pretty pastel like bluish eggs. eggs yeah yeah so I um I wanted some of those and the buff Orpingtons are gray, so my husband likes those. And then Leghorns are like the typical white chickens that you see, and they're great layers. Like if you're in, going in the for, in the cartoons, Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's um what one of the because I have two roosters and they're both Leghorns. So that's what my husband named one, and the my nephew named the other one, and his name is Oogie. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a perfect name for a rooster. Um, let's before we go any further, let's talk about what, what a hero your husband is. Uh, our recording session was saved by your husband. Uh, Rachel was having some uh, tech problems before we got going, and she's like, "I'm going to go get my tech support system." And he came in and and he fixed it pretty quick. What did what did he do, Rachel? Uh, he goes, uh, "You have it on mute. That's why you can't hear anything." <laughs> fine, fine. I know children, I don't know computers, okay? He, he, he pushes the button and walks out, walks out like a boss because, because. Uh, he is a boss, yeah. Is, is that the first time that's ever happened or is that? Uh, yes, actually, okay. I will say usually, on my, I know my laptop very well. His, oh. it, it messes with me, it's hard. RIP to yeah. your laptop. I know. All right, but we're, we're going to get, oh, go ahead. We're going to get into talking about uh, about reading challenges in a, in a bit, but uh, Rebecca, you got to give us a give us an update. Your program opens in like four months. Your forest program, um, how's yeah. it going? What's happening? It's going as well as it can be for right now. So I'm like in the I, well, I'm in this like phase where I am ready for the next step, but I have to wait for the parks department to issue a permit. So I'm kind of just like in this weird time where I have all these interested families but they you know they're all on their own timelines right they have sure maybe they're I they want they're looking at another school and they have a deadline for this date and you know they have all of these different factors with their family situations and so I I'm just in this time where I'm like waiting for these next steps to happen um, so that I can move forward and actually enroll families officially and accept payment because I'm not able to do that with that without the permit uh, so once that actually comes in and I can accept initial payments and tuition and things like that, then I think I'll be feeling like a lot better. Um, so yeah, everything is going as well, like I said, as well as it can be. Like I've done everything that I, I can as far as that permit thing goes. Uh, I've chosen a teacher to hire. So that's happening. And I'm in the process of hiring her and onboarding her. So there's a lot of a lot of wonderful things happening, but yeah, it's just like you know the waiting game. Like anything with the government, like hurry up and wait. You know, 
<laughs> just hearing that the i mean the paperwork of dealing with getting the 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 paperwork to have your program where you're going to have it and the paperwork to have an employee i'm having panic attacks my my chest just tightens up thinking about all the paperwork and the box checking that you have to do and and there's probably multiple copies of things and filing dates and and ugh. yeah you're such a, and so, you you're know, such the, a brave I'm, human i'm working full time and i'm doing this business planning and I'm taking college courses because for some reason I like to put myself in immense pain Mm -hmm. (laughs) and stress. Um, But I'm actually, I feel really good. Like I feel happy and like positive about everything because everything that I'm doing, I love, right? Like I'm taking classes, like I'm learning ASL. I think that's fantastic. I really enjoy learning another language, especially a language that can potentially help me as an educator, make forest school more accessible to deaf and hard of hearing children and families. Um, so that, that feels great. Right. But there's like, it's a big responsibility. And then I have my forest school feels great. I love it. It's my dream. Very stressful also at the same time. Um, and then like, I'm working as, as a nanny. And so that is something that I I really enjoy. My kiddo just had her third birthday last week. So I took her to the discovery museum yesterday in, in San Jose. And that was awesome. Yeah. That's just, I just feel like every moment of my waking life is um, filled with something to do. <laughs> you know? well, it's better but than I, being bored. Yeah. And here I am, you know, people are like, what are you doing Saturday? I'm like, oh, I'm just like recording a podcast. And they're like, why are you doing this to yourself? I'm like, but I like it. <laughs> uh, Ra- Rachel, we, we, I, we, we, why is there a chicken? Why is there a chicken in your tub? Um, we, we, I heard, we talked, uh, but I got it. I got, we got to get this on the air. Um, so we have a little chick and I've named her Dot, um, which means she's probably going to die. Um, because whenever I name them, they're just doomed, but she was not growing as quickly as the other chicks and ducks. So ducks grow incredibly fast, um, in my opinion, but they grow faster than chickens. But either way, right now we have our ducks and our chicks together um and I was scared she was gonna get trampled because like two weeks and she still looked like a newborn chick like um, I don't know why um so anyway she's in the bathtub right now on a sheet with her own food and water spread just so she can grow like I want her to have a chance do you have a light on her to keep her warm I do have a light on her to keep her warm um and I didn't hear what did you say Jeff Have, have you taken her to the vet no, because I mean, it's a check that I paid $5 for. <laughs> not not going not gonna to run up a $150 vet bill office visit for a, for a 75 cent chicken? No, Dot's doing well. She's doing, she's growing now. I just, oh, good. I, we think she was just the runt and maybe wasn't getting to the food and the water like the others were because sure. she was slower or whatever. So we'll yeah, see. Well, it's, it's, as long as she grows to nugget size, you get your money's worth. If you can get one nugget right. out of her, a little bit, a little bit of sweet and sour sauce, and you'll be good to go. <laughs> um, we're we're ten minutes in. We should probably start talking about our episode topic. Um, <laughs> Rebecca, you shot us this one in, a, in an email. What are we What are we talking about? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about. It. I had an experience um, with one of the kids that I nanny, so I I wanted to talk about like reading challenges and like reading programs where there's all these like incentives for children to read and they get certain things at certain times uh because i the the child that i pick up from preschool she goes to california one of the california state preschools i don't know if it's 
Head Start or what, but I know it's a state funded program. And she came home with a medal around her neck. And so I was like, whatever, maybe they had like a field day or something, right? And so she's like all excited about her medal. And I was like, oh, tell me what your medal's for. And I see on there, there's like little books on it, you know? And she's like, oh, I read like 700 books this year or something. And I was like, oh, really? And, and so I'm, she's excited about it. So I'm excited with her, you know, but like in the back of my mind, I'm like having all of these other thoughts because this is a child who already loves to read. Like she's a reader. She doesn't need incentives to read. And I know that she has a parent who doesn't work a lot. And so they probably read a lot of books together. So I'm thinking about all these things of like, she's a child who's already set up with all of these incentives to read within her own self and with the opportunities at home. And she goes to this preschool where a lot of these other kids probably aren't offered those same opportunities at home or maybe don't have as many books or aren't as maybe into reading quite yet because she's only four. You know, maybe there's just some kids who aren't quite into like reading books every night. And so it just made me think about that, that program and, and why do they get certain medals at, at certain times of the year of how, how often do they do this? And of course, I didn't want to grill her <laughs> and ask her all of these questions, like how, how many kids in your class have gotten the 700 book medals? Um, but I, I kind of really wanted to, like, do, do they display it somewhere in the classroom? like this child's uh -huh. gotten the this medal and that medal and it made me reflect on on my childhood and the way that that reading was incentivized for me and how it made me feel about reading and so yeah I just just wanted to kind of dig into that a little bit so Rachel thoughts it just really made me think of like I I don't know right now I'm reflecting on my childhood and like I remember having those kinds of programs, like, you know, read X amount of books by the end of the month and we'll give you a coupon for Pizza Hut for an individualized pizza. Like, right. I, I remember that. And I, it makes me go back to like, sort of thinking about like my brother hated reading. Um, it wasn't how he learned. He didn't retain anything. I, on the other hand, loved reading. I was reading, I mean, adult books, in elementary school. Like I was just, my retention was different than his. So it was easier, but then it now my son, I was just talking about this today. He does not like reading. He totally skipped like the easy reader books. You know, those ones that are supposed to step one, step two, whatever, yeah, he skipped all of those. And he is in love with goosebumps. Like he came hmm. home and he was like, I'm on chapter 13. And I'm like, I didn't even know you could sit still till chapter 13. That's great. But it's just, is it a fair challenge, I guess, for everybody's like focus learning style? And like you said, can, do they have the access to that many books to do something like that? You know? Well, I mean, it must be working though, Rebecca, because I just pulled up some uh, reading rankings for the state of California. And I think it's by uh, by school district. Um, the there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight districts out of two hundred and two hundred and six, two hundred and eight, two hundred and sixty seven, two hundred and eighty seven um, that have a a reading rate that uh, above were above 50 percent meet or exceed grade level in reading in the state of California, eight districts. <sighs> um, the lowest one 
Um, would you like to guess what percentage of their students meet or exceed grade level? I'll go, I'll say 20%. 15%. Yikes. Six, seven, eight. There are there are another eight that are un, under twenty percent. So um, all those reading incentive things must be must be helping out. Uh, I mean, if they didn't have those, just think what the numbers would be. <laughs> yeah, it's like blows my mind thinking um, about why why are we? I mean, I understand literacy is important, right? It, that's there's no denying that. But like I said, like this is a child that going back to the the, the example I gave. This is a child who already loves reading. Her parents read with her all the time. Mm -hmm. um, this is a child who also has to work on her gross motor development. Um, she struggles with like jumping, running, climbing. You know, no one's giving her a medal for trying out those things. You know, sure. no one's incentivizing her to climb up the play structure. There's no, you know what I mean? And so it's like, we're just feeding into this, this, false idea that being good at reading and enjoying reading and prioritizing literacy is the most important thing about school and about learning. And I think that that's, that's false. Yeah. And, and some, some stuff I've read actually looks like it indicates that even the kids in, in this high pressure literacy system that we've created, even the kids who um, innately enjoy reading, the, the system we've created actually sucks that joy out of them and turns them off to reading because a lot of the stuff that they are, they are expected to or forced to read in school settings aren't in any way the things that they're interested in reading. And so they- I have they a great reading. story. I have a great story that, that reminds me of a child that, so I had, I worked with a child. He was in my pre-K class for two years. Um, cause he had like an in-between birthday and they chose to keep him in my class for another year. Um, so I got to know him and his family really well, and we still stay in contact with each other. And they were fortunately able to enroll him in a private school, like small groups and all of like really great program from what I could tell. Um, but his teacher still was like assigning him baskets of books that he didn't want to read. And he was supposed to read like a certain amount of minutes a night, you know, same old song and dance. And, and so his mom was trying to get him to like, oh, maybe you can read them to me in the car, like to and from school. Cause they had like a minor little commute and he was in the car and, and they had the basket of books. And the mom was like, you know, why don't you pull out one of those books from your basket? And he was like, no mom, like, I don't like these books. They're boring to me, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, please, like, please, you're supposed to be doing this. And he was like, Mom, it's my body, my choice. <laughs> <laughs> and she texted to me later and she was like, I couldn't argue with him. Like, I can't make him read these books. <laughs> so she was like, I just signed off on his homework and we read other things later, you know, but she, it was just that she, exactly. She forged, like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. She forged her name on the, she said, yeah, we, yeah, we read that basket of books. Yep. Oh, that's a good mom there. All <laughs> right. And I mean, because look, the teacher probably doesn't really care. Yeah. I mean, so if, if the if the if the reading packet or the 
Friday folder or whatever they call them comes back with the with the signature on it. They assume it's done. And um, yeah, and and look back in my community center director days. I've talked about this on the podcast before. Once one summer, we're, we've got a summer camp going on for school agers, and 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 so I decide we're going to do a, a reading challenge. And I set some some huge number of pages or books or whatever um, for the for the whole like eight week summer program. And and tell them if, if if you guys hit this, then then the three top readers can 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 shave my head. <laughs> That's a and, challenge I might I oh, might sign up for. <laughs> yeah, and and I actually had I mean, look, if you shave my head now, it wouldn't be much of a challenge because I I shave it weekly. But uh, but back then it was a a luxurious a luxurious <laughs> mane of hair, um, and uh, and and they they had it done in like a week and a half. And um, so, I mean, challenge accepted, but look, there wasn't the, the, the three top readers, the three kids that mostly wanted to shave my head, who were also the, the, the most interested in reading, read 95% of the books. Right. And you knew that that wasn't going to make some child who wasn't into reading yet or into this type of challenge, you know, that's not going to make them a reader, right? Right. This moment, like this is going to, this is what's going to do it for them. And I think that for some reason we set up these programs in these preschool settings or these kindergarten room settings. And, and we think like, this is going to turn the tide for this kid. And I'm like, but that's, I just, I don't feel like that's the way to go about it, especially in like early childhood classrooms, because sometimes kids aren't ready to read yet. And then we push and we push and we push and we push reading and then by the time they're ready to read and they're six and a half years old and they're like ready for it, they're so bogged down by the idea of like learning how to read because it's been so like important, you know, to everybody around them. Yeah, so I, I, don't I don't want to give myself credit though because I, I probably didn't know that this wasn't a good idea. This is thirty plus years ago. So yeah, but um, you're talking about a school age classroom, which I think. Um, well, yeah, you know, that's with, a little bit older, different than preschool. With older kids, I think you know when when you get past that eight year old mark, right, that third grade, when you get into like fourth and fifth grade, and you get past that cognitive shift there, I think that it's it's a little bit different to have more like co competitive stuff, challenges, and things like that. Uh, but for for young children, when like I said, I mean. This is a preschool, a pre-K classroom. This child I was mentioning, she's four and a half. Uh, there are kids who are four years old. They're hardly into books, you know? I've been a pre-K teacher. There are kids where I have tried to tell their parents, like they don't like sitting for stories and that's okay right now. You know, maybe they're just not into the, this particular way of, of engaging with, with words, but they really love music or they really love to sing or they really like to sometimes kids really like audiobooks and they'll sit there with the headphones on for a really long time uh so i don't know I, I just i think it's interesting that we have prioritized reading so much that not only are we doing challenges but we're now we're rewarding children with with medals <laughs> it's just it it's strange to me it's very strange to me that, that there are no challenges there's no gross motor week you know there's reading sure. week there's no uh, rough and tumble week. We're going to wrestle Monday through Friday all day long. How many minutes can you wrestle? <laughs> I, I think if they started wrestling, rough and tumble competitions sound great. Some sort of some sort of tournament. And I've talked about this before too. I think there should be some um, parent. This would be a great fundraiser for hey listeners. If you're looking for a fundraiser, there are very few early learning programs out there that have too much money. Uh, Rachel, you might want to try this out in your program. Um, you you put together a a rough and tumble play 
wrestling tournament and then you let parents place bets <laughs> and yes. And, and, and then you can have, um, you can, I mean, you can have bets obviously on who's going to win, um, kind of a final four kind of thing, but you can also have side bets about who's going to cry first, who's going to be the first one to pull hair, all of these kind of side bets, these prop bets could be going on. I think it could be a really lucrative fundraiser for an early learning program out there. And you, 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 you just have that going on in the parking lot on some, some open house weekend with uh, maybe a margarita machine in the corner. And, uh, and you're golden on, uh, on raising money for, for, for a new, for a new set of blocks or something. I can um, send her the liability waiver that I have here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You think, <laughs> Let's of get <laughs> Look, of course, you're going to want some sort of liability waiver, but um, it, but it's also an early learning experience. So I I think you'll have, now look check with your insurance carrier. But I think I think your uh, I think your early childhood insurance should should cover cover that. Well, shouldn't it? I mean, no. Uh, I don't know. I don't know okay. about that one. I don't know the details. <laughs> they might have they might have some follow up questions. You know, after the initial quote. <laughs> yeah yeah probably they definitely um, do every time i ask for a quote for my forest school they're like wait what forest yeah okay. huh? <laughs> gambling you're gambling on children yeah that that might be yeah maybe not um so the reading thing if we want kids to read we we surround them with words when they're when they're tiny we we put them in that environment full of words we surround them with adults who read um, for for fun and purpose, and uh, we we make it look like a fun, joyful experience. And that right there, if you do that, most kids when they're ready are going to pick up reading pretty easy. And that and that's most kids. And then there's that small subset that are going to need some um, some support. And of course, there are all kinds of kids that are coming from home environments where uh, reading isn't isn't uh, a priority and so the more we can do to create those kind of nurturing uh language rich environments in our early learning settings the the better we're doing for them but um my understanding of the the research is instead of having these kind of reading challenges where we're reading so many books for so many pages having the adults actually sitting in the space with the when the kids are playing just reading so that kids are right. seeing adults using reading as a tool or a pastime or a recre recreational activity uh, would do more than a stupid metal. What was it a like? Was it like a real metal metal? Yeah, like it was like. I mean, I I don't know how what type of metal, but it was heavy and and it wasn't plastic. And it, they get like different different colored ribbons for each like step or however many books they they got. Yeah. So, you know, black I think belt it, reader it is, pretty soon. <laughs> it is important, you know, to, to add to that, um, the research that I don't remember exactly what research this is, but my professor mentioned it to me and my, one of my dearest professors. So I trust her, Catherine Nielsen from Los Madonna's college. She, um, told us when I was taking like a math and science curriculum class, she was talking to us about literacy and how providing early childhood classroom or providing math and science experiences in early childhood is actually the most beneficial for literacy as well because when children are doing math and science activities and sensory activities 
they're using so much language, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you're facilitating these activities as an educator, then you know you might have certain certain tools and materials that are labeled, right? Like if the kids are very into learning about dinosaur eggs, then we might get books or index cards or things with with words on them about the different sizes or the different textures or the different names of these these different activities. And so I don't know, I think it's it's something to note that like literacy isn't just sitting down and reading a book too, you know, that it so much more comes from from other activities. Just engaging with the world is is literacy. Yeah, well, a while back we did, um, uh, the three of us did a sensory play episode and we talked about this, that developing those sensory systems it, for, for children to read, they have to have a well-developed visual system. Um, they need to build that vestibular system because if you, if you can't keep your balance um, if you're if you're constantly falling out of your out of your chair because your inner ear isn't developed and you haven't developed your sense of balance, it's really going to be hard to sit still and uh, and follow along in in circle time when the teacher is reading to you and you're going to be wiggling and you're going to be getting scolded for that. And when you get a little bit older, you're going to be sitting in your chair in your desk during reading or spelling time or whatever it is, and you're going to be tipping over. Um, you, we've got to develop those systems. And so the the little one that you work with that just got her medal that that you you you, you mentioned. And she's she's kind of a little bit behind on some of those things when yeah. she for her to really become a reader when she's five, six, seven, eight years old, she needs to catch up on that other stuff more than she yeah. needs to be spending time direct time with books. Yeah, I mean, she definitely she's she falls out of chairs. Definitely. Um, she's still working on working on that balance. So, I mean, I, I take her to the park as much as possible. Right. Sure. Because I think that's I don't need to to do a lot of reading with her because I know that she does a lot of that. Yeah. at home and at school, you know? And she so I think it's stuff. interesting because some people might see that as like, oh, I just take him to the park, easy peasy. But it's like, I'm doing that to facilitate her development, right? You know what you should do? When she's sitting there with what? a book, you should start sneaking up on her and just grabbing her by the ankles and hanging her upside down. And uh, because that part of that vestibular system is inversions is great for that. And you just hang her upside down for a way. Now, don't shake her. You, know, you shouldn't shake kids because their brains bounce around. But just kind of wiggle her a little bit while she's hanging upside down and then put her down and then tell her, how can you learn to read? And then just walk away. <laughs> See how, how, how would she respond to that? Um, you know what, she's like a people pleaser kind of kid. So she'd probably be like, okay, <laughs> you know, those kids that, that you worry about. Cause you're like, would you would let me do anything to you? <laughs> yeah. She's the sweetest little thing. And that's why like, she was so pumped about this metal. And sure. I was just like, that's so awesome. I'm happy for you. But on the inside, I'm like, Oh, like this is it, it, it implies so many things when this program is implemented in this classroom. You know what I mean? There's so many subtle messages that children and families are receiving when, you know, they, they see another child go home with a medal and their kid didn't get one. Right. It's, it, it, there's so many layers to it where I think, you know, on the surface, people think, oh, it's just like to get kids to learn to read. And um, I think how much more valuable is is a vocabulary list compared to like the science vocabulary that you're learning when you're working with worms in a sensory bin, right? Like you're actually learning the words as you're using them and touching the things that are oozy or slimy or crawling or creeping versus like 
we're going to learn about spring and here's a bunch of spring words. And now you need to know that, you know, yeah, if, so if I, we I, want, I, if we want kids to read, we should, uh, we should give them each a bathtub with a, uh, with a small baby chick in it. That's what we should do. Read to the chick. Why not? <laughs> in there, I was going to say, that sounds like a perfect place to sit and read. Maybe it will help little dot heal. Right. Maybe. We, Another thing I tried back in the day is we had a we had a reading rat. Um, her her name was Rita, and the kids could uh, could take her out of her cage, and she would just sit on their shoulder, and uh, and they would read to her, and she just kind of nestle up on their on their oh, on their wow. neck there, and uh, and some kids would sit for hours with this rat on their shoulder reading to it. Um, was it now? Was it Rita R E A D hyphen A? Read of up. course it was. <laughs> of course it was because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sly guy that way. Of course. Um, she, uh, she eventually died of old age. She was a, she was a good, good rat. Um, any other thoughts on this one before we wrap it up, wrap it up, Rachel, your little guy like to read? No, no, he doesn't. Are you, are you worried? No, no, I'm not because it's just the way he learns like it, he wants to be a vet I think we've discussed this mm -hmm. before when he grows up and I, I've told him I'm like there's a lot of school and there's a lot of reading but the thing is at least for my son it's hands-on is what he he's very much like his father and like my brother he's hands-on he's a landmark kid like he's still gonna survive and thrive can he read yes does it interest him? Does he like to do it? No. So am I going to force him? It just makes me and him miserable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think when he's incentivized, if he really wants to become a vet, then he will, he'll do well, it, you know? And then if, if he doesn't, if he starts out and he realizes I don't like this, then he will change that plan. Right. right. Like you just, but they figure out as they go. Here's a thought I have too, is sometimes incentives don't work. Um, because he has, uh, there was a point in time where I was worried, um, because I had pressure from teacher, his teacher of like, you know, he's going to be behind because he blah, 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 whatever pressure. And as a parent, you know, that's not good to hear. You don't ever want to hear that your, your kiddo is not thriving in an area, you know, but so anyways, he has, I purchased this app. Um, that he has to read to it's her, it's called Ello and they send him like four or five books and if he reads those books they send him like a little toy which he likes to collect little things he's obsessed with them um he could care less I think he's gotten a prize like once so I just you know what he's thriving in other things and we have to remember that reading's not for every kid and incentives don't work for every kid so yeah like you said he knows how to read and I think that you know, as long as you know how to read, then you will, you will read what you need to read as you, right. as you get older, you sure. know, you will, you will learn to read that instruction manual and you will learn to read, you know, if, if he wants to be a vet, maybe he will be able to read that like nonfiction stuff, right? Yeah. That sciencey material, but maybe he's not into like stories. Right. You know, well, reading, here's the reading. Thing. Without reading, he can tell you how to, how to, wrap up a chicken he can tell you what bumblefoot and pasty butt are and what you need to do for those things like he didn't need to read to learn those things i right. go ahead Beth. yeah go ahead i knew that was coming pasty Paste, butt, pasty butt. <laughs> it's very dangerous for baby chicks okay it's a real thing 
Does Dot have pasty butt? She did. Oh. oh no! What? How did your son cure the pasty butt? You have to clean clean the bottom. So chickens, if they have pasty butt, it's dehydration, um, oh. and they will they they will poop, and it won't come all the way out, and it'll close the vent. And if you don't if you don't clean it off for them and get them hydrated, it'll close the vent, and then they won't be able to poop, and then they'll you know pass. So. He, yeah, he knows about that, those things without reading a book though. Like he knows from watching and learning and taking all that right. in. Right. And this is the thing for me. So like, this is just my imagination. If I came to your son and I couldn't hear, say I was a deaf person, he couldn't communicate to me in sign language and I was explaining to him and, and however I could, I have a little chick, it has pasty butt. Can you help me? He probably could sit there and write out, okay, number one, like wash the butt. <laughs> you right. Know? This is what you do, right? Yeah. Right. And so I think that he hasn't had to do that. So he hasn't done it. Right. And so we're we're constantly expecting kids like learn how to write a letter. And they're like, to who? Like a why, you know, I don't have a desire to write a letter yet. But maybe when they go on vacation and they want to write home to their cousin, they might actually want to write on that postcard. Right, you know, there has to so, be a need for it. Or a need yeah, for that. yeah. So is that because like, email has been destroyed? I mean, why would anybody write a letter for any reason in 2023? I mean, I mean so really. the only time I write little college, things like that is postcard. So my brother deploys, and when he ah. deploys, we do mail him letters because okay. he doesn't get an email. So and incarcerated, letters, letters still okay. incarcerated loved ones as well okay. incarcerated loved ones do not always have access to email even in 2023 oh okay i stand corrected thank you yeah uh, i just thought about that when she I, said the, the people overseas you know access to technology is such a it's so secondhand to us uh, that you know there are uh, communities out there I was just reading in our our little local. I, I, did I talk to you guys? I've talked to you guys about our little local newspaper, didn't I? I, talk, I think somebody yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay, so there's an article at the the library on the the town that's just right over on the other side, of, literally on the other side of the fence. I'm looking at. Um, they don't divide the two little towns with a fence. It's just the neighbors um, in the next town. Um, there's there over the library. They're having a a class, two classes, um, emailing part one and emailing part two for, for people in 2023 who, who want to learn how to, how to email. And if you, if you don't have an email address, they will, they'll get you set up with one and, uh, and hook you up with, uh, how to, how to write and send emails and, and they wow. include attachments. And then there, the, 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 after that, there's a, there's the advanced emailing, um, class that, um, so I was thinking about signing up for them just for, just for just for fun um so yeah i guess those the, the yeah okay um i don't know i just thought that was the cutest thing i'd ever heard until i think tasty, you but. should go you should go there and just report back on the crowd I, oh I, I i thought so just so i could uh that made I me could, think have you have you gone out with your friend remember the one that wanted oh, yes. to um, yeah, my, my friend who, the guy that wants to be friends with me, um, we, we waved at each other the other day. That's the last, in the last month, that's our only contact. Uh, he was driving by and I was heading out on my bike and, and we waved, uh, the dude wave and, uh, that was it. So we're, we're good buddies still. So I haven't, haven't had to go out to dinner. Good buddies. So good. good buddies. <laughs> well, there's a different level of, of buddyhood um for for old guys my 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 best friend i haven't seen him in like uh a year and a half uh you know that's uh 
the kind of an old dude thing. Okay, uh, but before we end this, uh, can you describe like what's the dude wave? Is it like like just a one-handed motion? Oh, just hand up. I just like, gonna. Like, hey, oh, you don't up. do the head nod. Oh, oh yeah. Look, I got to do the head nod a lot of times because sometimes I, I've usually got a, a leash in one hand and a, a couple bags of dog poop in the other hand. So I do a lot of head waves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, listeners, it's time to wrap this one up. When we come next time, the uh, three of us together, we're going to talk about one. Rachel's going to give us an update on rough and tumble play in her classroom. I've got some more turtle news. Um, and um, we recently talked about, about Tag and Red Rover. I recently found myself in the middle of some hide and seek. I got a little story about that. So uh, you're going to want to tune in for all of all of that excitement. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk more about pasty butt. Um, I think that's something that can, uh, you know, my experience is uh, sometimes children experience versions of, of that. Um, any final, final words before we wrap this up? Um, no, <laughs> not after that. Have either one of you, uh, we'll say, we'll start the next episode with this. Um, either one of you had pasty, butt before. Uh, take some time, think about it, report back in our next episode together. This has been the Child Garrett Bar and Grill Podcast, the world's longest running, most prolific early learning podcast with the words bar and grill in its title. Back soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.